Well, Easter changes everything. It really does. And there are people throughout this sanctuary today that uh, can stand and testify to the change that Jesus has brought into your life through the new life that's available through the empty tomb. I'm, I'm looking at people now, and I know some of your backgrounds. Uh, there's people in this room but that have been delivered from pornography addictions. By the power that's in the empty tomb. There's people in this room that have been delivered from drug addictions. There's people in this room that have been delivered from alcohol. There's people in this room that have just been delivered from being an ornery husband or an ornery wife. And we could take time and stand one after the other. And you'd have people that would stand here and be able to stand in front of this cross and say by the power of the blood of Jesus and the new life that's available through the empty tomb Easter changes everything but there's some of you here that what I'm saying you don't really grasp um, it sounds like preacher talk to you it, it sounds like um, uh, just some preacher hyperbole that's, that's said on Sunday mornings but um, you, you've, you've not fully become aware of that. You don't know if you fully believe that. And um, we designed this service especially for you. And we want you to know from the very get-go that um, get-go, that's a Kentucky thing, you know, get, G-I-T, you know. From the very get-go that um, at the end of this service today, we're going to have an opportunity for people who have never claimed Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. What better Sunday to be able to do that? than on Easter Sunday, and you could be able to really say that Easter changes everything. We had three precious people do that in the first service, and we're so thankful for that. And I'm trusting God for more than that here in the second service of people that say, I want what it is that you're talking about. I'm not sure if I believe it all. I'm, I know I don't understand it all, but I know I want that. So you prepare your hearts. And God, the Holy Spirit, is now going before us and preparing your hearts and getting you ready to be able to make that decision. You know, when Jesus stepped from the empty tomb, that step changed everything, but that step that he made coming out of that empty tomb, it requires a step that you would make as well. It requires a step of decision. And if you've never crossed that line of decision, you'll have an opportunity to be able to do that this morning. Easter changes everything. You know, uh, Christianity was not launched by um, Jesus' birth. Christianity was not launched uh, by the teachings of Jesus, as good as all of those were. Now, Colin's getting ready to say amen, so don't worry about it. Just the way he says amen, the way he worships, and we don't worry about that at, at Zinia Nass here, okay? So don't let it bother you. Christianity wasn't launched by the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. Christianity wasn't launched by Jesus who said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and who would ever believe in him will not perish, have everlasting life. Christianity wasn't launched by the teachings of Jesus as true as they were. And I want to say something here that's going to push some of you, and I want you to think here with me. Uh, Christianity wasn't launched by his death. Now, that pushes some of you out of your comfort zone, but hang here with me. Christianity wasn't launched by his death. 
Secular history will tell you there was a whole lot of people that came before Jesus who claimed they were the Messiah. And the same thing happened to them as happened to Jesus. The Romans killed every single one of them. There's only one who raised from the dead. Christianity was launched not by Jesus' birth, not by his teachings, not even by the cross. Because if he had stayed in the grave, he'd been nothing more than a martyr. We've had so many martyrs that have been martyred for their faith. He would have been no more than a Joan of Arc, and we would not be gathered here today in his name, except for Easter. And friends, Easter changes everything. Easter is not a religious thing. We do a lot of religious things, you know. No matter what your faith may be, uh, people do religious things. Uh, if, if, if someone is a Muslim, they make a once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimage to Mecca. They may do that. That's a religious thing. If someone is a Muslim, they must pray five times a day with their face uh, uh, facing Mecca. There's a lot of religious things that people do, whether you'd be a Jehovah's Witness or whether you would be uh, of the Jewish faith or whether you would be a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Christian. Uh, we just did a religious thing. Uh, the, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, is, is a religious thing. It's a good thing that we do. It's a way that we work out our faith. Uh, we just had a time of prayer. That's a religious thing to do. Some of you got up a little early this morning and you opened your Bible and you have what we call in the Christian life your devotions or a quiet time and you had a time of prayer. That's a, that's a religious thing to do. It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing to do. It's a way that we work out our faith. You being here in church today, it's a religious thing that you do. We just had somebody on staff go on a 40-day fast. It's a religious thing that we do. But I'm here to tell you this morning that Easter is not religious. Easter is an event. Easter is a happening. And things that really change the world are events. Things that really make their mark on history, their happenings, their events. Now, we've got some audio here, and some of that audio is old and kind of crackly. But here's some audio of some events, some happenings that have changed the world. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Here is a bulletin from CBS News. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The first report say that President Kennedy... I still have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Columbus.
Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. This just in, you were looking at a, obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center, and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. CNN Center right now is just... Uh, those were all, and of course we could have listed a whole lot more. Those are all events. Those are all happenings that made a deep impact in this world. And it is events. It is happenings. Give me a high five. Got one for me? All right, good. It is happenings that change this world, that change everything. And friends, one of the things that's changed everything is Christianity. And if there would be no Christianity without Easter, I want to make the point this morning that because Christianity has changed everything, Easter has changed everything. You, you, can, you can be a secular, atheistic historian. And if you would deny that Christianity has changed this world, you would be sticking your head in the sand. No one can deny that Christianity has changed this world. And if, and if Christianity hinges on Easter, if this whole, whole thing is, 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 is goes to pot, if Jesus' bones are found, it's easy to be able to say that this whole thing, Easter changes everything as well. If, if we knew today that the bones of Jesus have been found and we had irrefutable evidence of that, let's go home, friends. It's over. Let's, div let's divest all of our property and sell all of our stuff. It's over. It's done with. Because it all hinges on this event. And if he didn't raise from the dead, he was not the Son of God. He was just another martyr that died for his... Or maybe he was like C.S. Lewis said, maybe he was a lunatic. Maybe he was a lunatic that was just nuts going around saying he was the son of God. But God raised him from the dead, validated everything he did and everything he said. He said, listen to my son. This is the son of God. Now, if you, if you think that I'm getting a little far-fetched by thinking this whole Christianity thing hinges... On, on the resurrection, I understand that because I, back in 1997, I was at Asbury Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky, and, and in our philosophy of religion class, uh, Dr. Jerry Walsh says, uh, if Jesus' bones were found and it had been irrefutable evidence that Jesus' bones were found, how many of y'all would still be a Christian? And some of us gung-ho guys raised our hand, you know, yeah, we, we're gung-ho, we love Jesus, yes we do, we love Jesus, how about you, and all that kind of stuff, you know. And so there's some of us who raised their hands, and Dr. Walls looked at it and said, You're fools. You're just fools. Now, if you think that's a little strong, you also would disagree with the Bible, because the Bible says exactly the same thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul, who, who opened the whole Western world to Christianity, was one of the first missionaries. Scott and Jill follow. 
and, and the way of Apostle Paul. And Apostle Paul opened the whole Western world to Christianity. And one of the churches that he started was in Corinth. And he wrote this letter to Corinth that we have in the Bible called 1 Corinthians. And basically he wrote this letter because the Corinthians were messing up something awful. I had to write a paper on the whole book of 1 Corinthians in school and I titled it How Not to Do Church. The only reason Paul wrote this letter was to correct all the mistakes they were making. And and one of the mistakes they were making, they had some people who didn't believe in the resurrection. So when he gets to chapter 15, he corrects this issue with them, or at least attempts to correct this issue with them. 1 Corinthians 15, 12, the Bible says, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. It's vain. It's empty, depending on what translation of the Bible that you had. It's of no good. We're wasting our time. And so is your faith. You're a fool for believing it. Your faith is futile. It's useless. It's empty. Now, that's, that's, that's the God-inspired word of the Apostle Paul. Let's continue. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, meaningless. And you are still in your sins and you're in a heap of trouble. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, all your grandmas and grandpas and moms and dads, they're lost. Now, sometimes when we talk about loss in the church, we kind of talk about hell and heaven or hell. That's not what that word means there. That, you know, when you, say you, when you say you lost your cell phone, you don't mean it's in hell. You, you just don't know where it is. And that's what it's saying right there. That's what that word loss means. That word loss doesn't mean hell. That word, word loss means then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, you don't know where they are. You don't know where they are. Verse 19, when I go to funerals and I sign the funeral registry, you know, you sign in so the family knows you're there, Mark Atherton, then I sign 1 Corinthians 15, 19, which says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. I can remember old saint of the church. I was, I was a new Christian. I was probably a one- or two-year-old Christian. And an old saint of the church, an older gentleman, probably in his 70s or 80s, in his 70s or 80s, he stood in a testimony meeting on a Wednesday night. And he said, if there wasn't a heaven to gain or a hell to shun, I'd still be a Christian. Now, that sounds like a really cool thing to say. But according to Apostle Paul, that's ridiculous. And he was saying, basically, because the change that God makes in this life. And Apostle Paul says no, because he's got, we got another verse up here, Karen. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink. Let, let us just hang out at the bars. Let's go to the strip joints. Uh, let's commit adultery on our wives, because who cares? You know, there's no consequences. There's no judgment. Who really cares about that kind of stuff? 
let's just go to the golf course on Sunday morning. Let's stay in. I, I mean, look, Paul says, let's, if, if Christ not be raised, let's just eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we die. Easter changed everything. Easter changed everything. And if Christianity changed the world, and if Easter, Christianity hinges on Easter, Easter changed the world. Do you realize that when Jesus came in first century Jerusalem, how devalued human life was? Not total human life, basically women and children. If, if you were not a man, if you were not a male, you were totally devalued in that society. Children, you think we have an abortion problem today? If, they, if the kid was born and they didn't want the kid, they would just kill the kid or leave it for the vultures. That's a matter of secular history, friends. That's a matter of secular history. That's how uncivilized they were, and that's how that's that's the world that Jesus came into. And so his disciples, when Jesus says, you know, let the little children come to me, and his disciples said, get these little children away from him, man. And why were they saying that? Because this is an important guy, this Jesus, and don't bother him with all these meaningless creatures called children. Jesus changed all of that. Karen, I've got some quotes up here. John Russell Lowell, you don't know that name, and I didn't before I started doing research. He, he was a historian in the 1800s. He was an American diplomat, and he said this, I challenge any skeptic to find a 10-square-mile spot on this planet where they can live their lives in peace and safety and decency, where womanhood is honored, where infancy and old age are revered, and where they can educate their children, where the gospel of Jesus Christ has not gone first to prepare the way. That's not preacher hyperbole. That's not preacher talk. Unless you have a bias, unless you are a historian who has a bias and doesn't want to say that because it is politically incorrect, you would have to admit that Christianity has changed the world. And if Christianity is dependent on Easter, Easter has changed the world. Easter has changed the world. Women, they were... They were property when Jesus came. They were property. A man could write a divorce decree just by signing his name. They were property. They were property. And let's, let's just be honest about it. Men still have most of the leadership positions. It's different than it used to be. It's different than it was 10 years ago and 20 years. And I assume 10 or 20 years forward, it'll be different than it is today. It, it's, men still have most leadership positions, but it's not even close to the way it was when Jesus came into this world. He has done more to lift up females than anyone ever could, including Gloria Steinem. That's truth. I'm not trying to make a joke. Um, another historian, Alan Schmidt, said, Neither Christ nor the early Christians ever preached an outright feminist revolution. 
Rather, it was his example that his followers reflected in their relationships with women, raising their dignity, freedom, and rights to a level previously unknown in any culture. The value of life and the dignity of life, Christianity has totally changed that. Every atheist in this world who denies Christ and and who lives in a world where people are valued owes it to Christianity, owes it to Jesus, whether they believe on him or not. The family, the family never was the cornerstone of of, of our culture. In Jesus' time, the man could do what he wanted to, and he could go off and have as many flings as he wanted to, and and, and people were were basically on their own, and family wasn't this tight-knit thing that 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 we know it as today, or at least that we know it should be today. Only in Christianity did the family come to be viewed for the first time as the central venue for the fulfillment of life's main satisfaction. Friends, I'm trying to tell you, and it's not preacher hyperbole, it's not just preacher talk, I'm trying to tell you, if you'll Google it, if you'll do the research, if you'll look even to secular historians, they will tell you, if they're not biased and they do not have an agenda, that Christianity has changed the world. And if Christianity is dependent upon the event of Easter, it's easy then jump to make to say that Easter has changed the world. Education in Jesus' times were only for the elite. Only for the elite. It's the Christians who went out in 100 and 200 and 300 and all of the decades and centuries since then that we've got a reason for public school education. There would be no public school education without textbooks. And why do we have textbooks? It's because the printing press was invented in 1600. And why was the printing press invented? To print the Bible to print the Bible. It was the only reason the printing press was started is to print the Bible. And why did they want people to learn to read? Is so they could read the Bible. Friends, it's it's irrefutable. You won't learn it. You won't teach it. You won't hear it taught in your schools. Your kids don't get it taught. I saw a seventh grade history book the other day that devoted seven pages to Marilyn Monroe and one page to George Washington. You won't hear this stuff anymore. With the exception of the University of Pennsylvania, every Ivy League school was started with a Christian purpose. With the exception of the University of Pennsylvania. 121 of the first 123 colleges or universities in the new United States were started with a Christian purpose or to train ministers. This is the first shield for Harvard. I guess it was probably Harvard College back then. Now, if you look at Harvard's shield today, go home and Google it, and you look at the shield for Harvard today, the only thing you will see is V-E-R-I-T-A-S, and that's veritas, which means truth. That's the only thing you'll see on it. But this is the original shield. They've taken the rest of it uh, off. You can see on this side, kind of curving up, Christo. On this side, Ecclesiae. And the motto for Harvard when they started was truth. For Christ and the church. Truth for Christ. And then you go home and you Google it, and the only thing you'll see now is truth. Friends, I'm here to tell you that Christianity's changed the world. It has changed the world.
And if Christianity hinges on Easter, it's easy jump to be able to say Easter has changed the world. Um, how compassionate we are for people that are suffering and the agencies that are pop up to go where earthquakes are and to go where starving is and floods are and tsunamis are. Christian people. Six out of ten nonprofits today had a Christian beginning. Six out of ten nonprofits today had a Christian beginning. Everywhere you see some kind of disaster in the world, you'll see the Red Cross. Everywhere you'll see the Red Cross. And they adopted the cross because it was a universal symbol of compassion. And the founder of the Red Cross says, I'm a disciple of Christ as in the first century and nothing more. I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky, and we had three hospitals in Lexington at that time. One was Good Samaritan Hospital. The other was St. Joseph's Hospital, Catholic Hospital. The third was Central Baptist Hospital. You, you, you look in the history of hospitals in this area and other areas and see they had a Christian beginning. Friends, Christianity changed the world. We would not understand this world today if Jesus had not come. And we would have never heard of this Jesus person if God hadn't raised him from the dead. And so I'm trying to tell you that Easter changes everything. We have no Salvation Army. The number one charitable organization in the world has a distinctively Christian purpose. We would have no YMCAs, or some of you probably don't know that it's the Young Man's Christian Association. And the original objective of the YMCA was to make disciples of Christ and grow them into Christian maturity. You can, you can Google that and find that if you choose. We wouldn't even have Santa Claus. Right? Because you know where Santa Claus came from? Saint Nick. Saint Nick. It goes to saying we wouldn't have Christmas. And without Christmas, do you know how the economic outlook on this world would change without Christmas? Because there are so many businesses that scrape by for 11 months of the year only to make all their profits at Christmas. The whole economic outlook would, would change. Um, without Christianity, we did, we, I don't know if we know what year it was. Would we? Because what does 2013 mean if it doesn't mean 2013 years since the birth of Christ? We, we, we mark our calendars by that. And what does 1422 B.C. mean other than 1,422 years before Christ? I mean, what kind of event had to happen for people to start marking the calendars by him. You can read all the, uh, all the biographies of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
all the biographies of Jesus that tell you about Jesus' life, and you read all about the last week of Jesus, and none of his disciples that he spent three years with were expecting him to raise from the dead. All of them were hiding. All of them were defeated, disillusioned. They were discouraged. They were hiding behind locked doors because they thought the, the Romans were going to come do the same thing to them that they did to Jesus. They were scared to death. And then he walked, the Bible says he walked through a door and appeared to them. And he says, come on, look at, look at my hands. I'm not a ghost. Uh, look here, look at my feet. And then they kind of said, oh, man, I don't know if he's a ghost or not. Let's invite him to have something to eat because we know ghosts can't eat anything. And, and they sit down and the, the Bible says he ate fish in front of him and proved that he was living flesh. And those guys that were discouraged and defeated and lost and hiding, they went out and changed the world. Now, what, what took them from scared disciples for their lives to people went out and preached the risen Christ and the 11 disciples did it, all but one of them did it to their martyred death. Even Peter's death was upside down because he says, don't, don't crucify me right side. I've crucified me upside down because I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord was. Peter, who denied Jesus to the little servant girl. He was 12 or 13 years old, I guess a little servant girl was, and he was scared to death of her. And he's denied Jesus three times, and all of a sudden, after he saw the risen Christ, he went out on the day of Pentecost, and it says, it is the one who you have killed that is now the risen Lord. Now, what changed that? It was not something he believed. It was something he saw. Easter is an event. It's a happening. Easter changes everything. And that's all nice and cool, Mark. And I believe some of that and don't believe some of it. And some of us preacher stuff and some of it may be high you can, do, you can do whatever you want to do but the real deal is if you've even got an inkling that Christianity has changed the world and Christianity hinges on Easter which makes Easter change the world if you've got an inkling that it's true why would you let an event change the world and not change you Why would you sit there Sunday after Sunday and get churchanity? Hearing about the resurrection and even believing the resurrection, but never letting it transfer those difficult 18 inches right here to your heart and let the new life that is available through the empty tomb be applied to your life through faith and belief in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. There are several classifications of people here today. We've got some church people here that have heard this message time and time again. Your name may be on the church roll somewhere. You may have been baptized, but you know you don't have it. You know you don't have it. You cannot say that he's changed me and I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. You, you just need to... You just need to 
You just need to stop that playing church and get out of the middle and make a choice, friend. And make a choice. I know it's embarrassing. I know you'll have to break some friends. I know some of your friends will, will think you're a nut and gone to be fanatical. I know. I know. I had to deal with that. There's some of you here that, that you pop into church every now and then and you used to go all the time, but now you don't. And you did when you were younger and now you don't. And you just, you just know that what I'm saying today is right. And you're saying, yes. I want that. I want new life. You need to respond today. There's some of you that just popped in here today and your mother, your mother dragged you, or your dad dragged you, or your husband dragged you, or your wife dragged you, or, and you just can't believe what you've heard today. And you're not even, man, you're not even sure because you've never heard the gospel really preached. There's probably some people in here that it just... I met a person in Georgia when I pastor there that never heard of Adam and Eve, 35 years old age. We live in an increasingly secular world. And there may be some people in here that you've just never heard this before. And there's something in you. Your heart's beating fast. You don't know what it is. There's goosebumps on you. You don't know what that is. But you're, there's something in you that says, that's true. That's true. And what that is, those goosebumps and, and that feeling in you, that's the Holy Spirit that's working on you right now saying, that's true. You, know, you don't even know why it's true. You, you can't understand why it's true. It certainly sounds like a big old story somebody made up, but there's something in you that's saying, daggone it, that's true. You need to make a choice today. You need to make that choice. So I told you at the top of the service, we'll give you that opportunity. What a better day. What a better day to make Jesus the Savior and the Lord of your life than Easter Sunday. And you can always look back and say, March 31st, 2013, my life changed, just like mine did on August 29th, 1993. Would you bow your heads, please? Lord God, you know I'm really tired because I preached hard. But this is really, really important. And I pray that the people can understand the urgency in my message this morning is because this is a life or death issue. Father, I pray right now for people in whatever spiritual place they're in and where on the journey they are that, that need to confess you as Lord and Savior right now. I pray that you would let them deal with the peer pressure and would rather please you than the people sitting around them. I, I pray that you give them courage to make the decision they know they need to make. Now with your heads bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around except me. By the uplifted hand who says today, I want what it is you're talking about. I'm not sure I totally understand it, but I want what it is you're talking about. I want change in my life through the resurrected Christ. I see that hand right there. Thank you. There's one. There's a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and a seventh. 
Leave leave them up, please. And an eighth and a ninth and a tenth. Leave them up, please. God sees that. God sees that. Now put them down, please. Now listen to me. There are some of you, because I've been, I know because I've been seat, seated right where you are, your heart's beating fast. You know you need to do it, but you're worried about what the people around you and your family would say and all that. Friends, just do it. Have courage. Is there anyone else that says, I don't care what the rest of the people around me say. I'm raising my hand. Is there anyone else? There's one. Thank you. And another. Thank you. Father God, hallelujah. I believe that these people, however many there were, I believe they raised that hand in sincerity. I believe they really, really mean it. Now, Father, I pray that you would help them grab this thing and not just be a Sunday morning thing and not just be a a church thing at 1045, but it'd be a, a thing that would just totally get all over them and crawl down deep in their spirits and just grabs them. Because Easter changed the world, Father, and it can change us too. Thank you for your help that you've given me, the recall that you've given me. And I just pray everyone, no matter their spiritual condition, are walking out of this place today a step or two closer to the one who changed the world. And it's in his name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, those of you who raised your hand, let me talk to you. You know who you are. I've, I've, I'm not going to be able to remember all who it was, but you know who you are. At the end of this service, I'm going to stand right here, and, and I would love to talk to some of you personally. Oh, that's, that makes it harder. Yeah. Yeah, it does. But you see, there's no closet Christians. And would you come up here and introduce yourself and let me have a word with you and a prayer with you and get you started on your Christian journey. If you don't want to come talk to me, we've got a new room we're starting. It's called the starting point room. It's room 221 right up here as you came in. As you, as you walked in that door, it's on your left. You see a sign there that says starting point. And there's going to be pastors in there. And you might have a question that you need answered. You may not know about this God thing, this Jesus thing, this Christian thing. It sounds weird. It kind of sounds good in some parts, but some of it sounds really weird. And you just want to Ask some questions where there are a place where there are no bad questions. You can go to the starting point room and let some of our pastors deal with you. I pray that you would make one of those options available to you. I'll be standing right here, and there will be pastors in room 221.